Greetings and welcome to The Thirsty Mage, the podcast that's about to deep dive into our journeys throughout the lands between. I'm your host for this episode, Jordan Rudek, and it's finally time to get into the weeds of Elden Ring to share all of our favorite places, experiences, and of course, failures. Joining me tonight is a man who is now refusing to play any RPG where he can't use magic, it's David Lloyd. I'm definitely refusing to play any game made by From Software that doesn't allow me to use magic. I've <laughs> I've learned my mess lesson too many times with this franchise or this this company, and I, I there's a direct correlation between the games that let me use magic and my enjoyment of said games. There's, I mean, there's always pyromancy in some of the earlier Dark Souls games, or maybe you could even go. I, I know you you're not you're not a stranger to using like a crossbow or a bow and arrow. You know, like there, there's no, probably yeah. some builds you could try out there. I've never really <laughs> done it, but yeah. you, you could probably go look into it. I guess. I definitely like being far away from opponents and and uh, blasting them without without any regard. That's that's my preferred way of playing any any RPG these days. Yeah, and then you you try to do that, and then Miyazaki throws a giant bear at you. So it doesn't yes. it doesn't always work out. I was, <laughs> I, I was I was quite perturbed when yeah. the giant bear spawned from from thin air. I, I didn't even know that was something that could happen. But I didn't I mean, even realize there's a giant bear. There's a giant bear boss that I, I never even ran into. I just I was just dying to the regular bears, let alone like an actual boss. But yeah, yeah, they're pretty they're pretty tough. Uh, joining us also is someone who's celebrating the five-year anniversary of their YouTube channel, and that's Alex from Backlog Battle. Hey guys, I figure after like our talk about Tales of Arise, I'd come back to talk about yet another Bandai Namco game. What's going on here? There's like a pattern happening right now. I think you're, you've established it, Alex, and now I think going forward, anytime there's a big Bandai Namco release, we're gonna have to have you on to talk about it, at least for one episode, maybe maybe more. The funny thing is. This is our kind of second or third episode, kind of talking about Elden Ring. Obviously, this is more of the the deep dive, you know, nitty gritty. Uh, you know, I think there's going to be spoilers here. Uh, we're not going to go like think we're not going to hit. We're not going to go like Vadi Vidya and just like spoil everything in the story. But you know, we're definitely going to be uh, uh, you know looking at things a little bit more closely and talking about you know middle and end part of the game. So good, good for everyone to know that uh, kind of going in. But yeah, you know, obviously, we're thrilled to have Alex back. Um, so five year anniversary of your YouTube channel, Alex, that's pretty cool. Um, I wanted to ask or kind of talk about how you're marking that anniversary. What are you doing to celebrate? Uh, and I, I know it's kind of another reason why you wanted to hop on this episode with us, too. Yeah. So basically, like the channel has been all about JRPGs and finding like hidden gems and games and stuff. And, you know, fairly recently, obviously, like because Elden Ring is so big, like I started covering that and it kind of gave me the idea that like you know what the channel really is all about isn't just jrpgs it's it's really like all manner of rpgs much like you know this podcast and stuff and so in a way like in its in its fifth anniversary we're gonna just cast a wider net we're still gonna talk about japanese games because i i love jrpgs and japanese games but now you know with the lens that we want more people to get into this genre and other genres in general i think really like playing elden ring has kind of like made me you know really get that passion back for helping others who may dabble in the more mainstream games kind of discover a whole new world that they're probably missing out on just by stake but staying or sticking to one genre and so 
that's really like kind of like the big change that's happening. But for the most part, if you go to the channel, what's going to happen is you're going to see like a brand new logo. It's going to be much more in tune with like, you know, like RPGs and stuff. It's, you know, I, I even added like a fancy like HPMP meter there, but not like others, you know, and just a whole bunch of like really cool like production stuff that, you know, just ups the quality of the channel's videos even further. So basically like you'll never find out, you'll never believe rather that all of this was made by one dude, but here I am like doing everything like graphics, logos, and it's just nuts. And I think it's going to be a blast just talking about games and, you know, kind of getting to know the community more. And that's really like how I'm planning to celebrate the five-year anniversary of the channel is to get really in tune with the community and what they like and create more conversations around that. I think that's awesome. I think we're talking about a, a game genre that can be intimidating to folks. You know, like if you if you didn't grow up playing RPGs, it can be harder later in life to get into them, right? Because you you, yeah. you read about 20, 30, 40, 50 hour games and it's like, oh, I, I don't have time for that. Or, or it just seems like a, a, starting with something like that as opposed to something smaller or something more approachable is is difficult, right? So I think I think what you're doing there, I think that that project, that task is a, a worthwhile one for sure. Um, I know kind of on the Thirsty Mage and Dave, David, will I think will agree and can add on to this. Uh, but I think we're trying to do that as well, too, especially lately is mm-hmm. think about, you know, smaller experiences or, or maybe things that are RPG adjacent that can help get people into this genre that we know and love. Yeah. Jordan, the secret, though, is that people are already spending that amount of time on other games. It's right? true. Like, yeah, good like, point. It, yeah, like think about like how many hours people spend on Valorant and Apex Legends. It's probably in like the couple of hundreds at this point. It's just that people are afraid to go back and actually like tabulate how long they've been doing yeah. that. Or rather, the game refuses to outright tell you how long you've been playing so you can play more. That's <laughs> right. Yeah, they don't, they don't want to scare you off, right? Like, my, yeah. I guess a funny story for me about learning about how long I'd played a game I, when I finally went to this website that tracks how long how many hours i guess or how many games you've played of league of legends uh the online um uh, moba game when i when i when i saw that number and i calculated how many days of my life i had played league of legends i, I that was kind of like a, a breaking point yeah. for me or uh, i'm like i have to stop I, i've just spent so many hours yes enjoying my time but also like there's so many other games out there that i want to get to so i can understand why some uh, other games that obfuscate that information are going to keep it hidden you know uh, yeah. But yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And it's funny about some of those games you mentioned, you know, Valorant, Call of Duty. Th- these games also seem to have RPG elements added to them now, especially. Yeah. So th- there's that that melding that's happening anyways. Yeah, for sure. But of course, you know, we're here to talk about probably like the biggest game of the year, which yeah. is Elden Ring. Yeah. This is insane. Like, I've never been so obsessed about a game in such a long time than this one. And I can't wait to talk about it. I, I've been thinking about this game so you know ever since it was the first announced. I was gonna I was thinking about it and the the lead up to the launch. I was just so excited about it. It was I, it was already you know my most hyped game. I know I mentioned that on a uh, earlier episode of the podcast uh, when we were talking about most anticipated twenty two games uh, twenty twenty two games. I, I thought you know there's no way anything it could be anything other than Elden Ring, and for it to just deliver. And I've been watching videos, including your video, Alex, which we, we can talk maybe a little bit more later. Um, a fantastic video, by the way. Everyone needs to check that out on uh, Backlog Battle. Um, 
but just it, it, watching Elden Ring now, rather than participating in the game, playing the game, which, which I feel like I need to take that break until maybe some new content comes out or I just kind of feel that itch. But I'm in that stage where I'm just consuming other people's content about the game. And it's just continuously reminding me of just how special and unique this game is. Um, I, I want to hear from David because David's only recently got into Elden Ring. <laughs> yeah. uh, and we're, we're going to talk about our favorite places and things. But David, just some of your maybe more extended impressions now that you've put a, uh, a number of hours into the game. Yeah, well, I definitely would. I'm only playing this game because of the, you know, the podcast and the community that we have here. Like if you guys were playing it, uh, I, I certainly would not have picked it up myself. It, it, that's even part of the whole reason behind um, my delay into getting it was, you know, I, I, I'm kind of scared off of, I really enjoy demon souls on PS five. Like I, I went through that and had a, had a great time, got to the end, but then like I got my, uh, my butt handed to me in dark souls and, and bloodborne and, you know, I got into Dark Souls a little bit more, but Bloodborne was just, it, that was the slog for me. And so, you know, it's it's one of those like, ah, I don't know, I don't know. And then seeing how how much everybody was enjoying it. It's funny that you mentioned um, Alex's uh, video because I kind of had, uh, you know, watching it, like there's a, the, the 30 minute video is kind of like on the game and, and how Alex describes like getting into the game as well. And it's kind of very mimics my own where it's like, you know, I'm very apprehensive about playing a from software game, but after getting into it, it, it's, it doesn't, it feels different. Like it doesn't, it's not your kind of standard one. It, it, it's evolved. It it does so many different things that it's more, I I don't know if it's uh, purposefully more accessible or just accidentally more accessible, Uh, but, but it's got so many things baked into it that, that you, you can really enjoy it. I think one of the reasons why I'm enjoying it so much now is it reminds me so much of Skyrim in in the same kind of, uh, you know, massive world and, you know, full of content. Like there's, you could just be walking down a path and like, hey, there's a cave. What's in the cave? And then there's all these things in the cave. And then like, you know, you clear it and you leave and you you take your loot and you have some fun. Uh, obviously, the biggest difference between the two is there's uh Certainly not a no chatty chat in uh, in Elden Ring, where Skyrim is a very story heavy game. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, but yeah, that's I'm, you know, I I've put a lot of I've had a bit of week now, and I've been playing it nonstop. Like a, a is you know even talking with you and telling you where I've gone and and uh, you know uh, you you being surprised at like. You know, you, you've only been there a week and you're like running everywhere. <laughs> like I was going, I was trying to go up mountains and go like I was clearly in places I shouldn't have been. But, uh, you know, that's part of the experience. My yeah, my my impression was that you weren't spending a lot of time in one area, but instead, you know, maybe hopping on your horse and just, just seeing as much of the world as you can. Um, something something that's great about this game is the the fact that you you can kind of pick up maps for every area that you go into. And I think that that becomes like a really meaningful or enjoyable part of the game is kind of seeing that that little signpost on the map as you clear out kind of like the darkened version of it and then you find out where the map is going to be located where you can actually pick it up and then kind of just beelining it to that section picking up the map and then seeing how I'm seeing how it colors it. in and seeing how everything opens up right it's, it's pretty yeah. pretty satisfying just o- to open up this map and see everything 
And of course, you know, we again, we've played other games like this before, you know, like something like Breath of the Wild, where you go to the um, kind of the larger towers and the, the towers activate, uh, open up a part of the map. And there's something that's really satisfying about that in open world games is is the the way that the world itself opens up to your view or your perspective can change after you've kind of spent some time or collected mm-hmm. some documents or just explored a little bit more. Uh, and that's always pretty satisfying. Yeah. I've definitely done a lot of accidental exploration as well because there's things where I was like looking at it and I'm like, I probably shouldn't touch this, but I'm going to touch it anyway. And then I end up in like a total spot where I shouldn't have gone. Uh, yeah. The funniest one was there was, I um, can't remember what it was called. I, I meant to look up it on the map first, but there's this church with one of the sites of grace. And I saw like a cliff and I wanted to go up the cliff. So I walked over to this kind of watery area right below the cliff to see if there's anywhere to get up. And I noticed this, like, clearly it was a warp. Like, it's this, like, you know, ring, and there was kind of this magical thing going on in the middle. And I'm looking at it, and I'm like, well, I, I know this is going to warp me somewhere. It's Every, like a portal. You know, like, they look like portals. Portal. They're, they're kind yeah. of, like, drawing you in. It's right like, now. Clearly yeah. this is a portal. And it's like, do you, and then it even asks, like, you sure you want to touch this? And yes. I'm like, mm, yeah, I, I, I want to touch this. And it dropped me off in like at the front step of I think it's like the bestial chapel or something like way off in the thing. And I'm standing behind this this tower of a giant monster. And I like I could see it doesn't see me yet, but it's about 10 times the size of me. And I think I was at like level four at this point. So I was going to get absolutely destroyed if I even like, you know, uh, sneezed so i just booked it out of there and then i managed to find a site of grace real quick just to activate it so that i could fast travel back there one day but i'm like ah, i might wait till i'm a little bit uh, higher level before i even attempt to to look in the direction of this place again yeah you didn't you didn't actually go and try try your luck there and see if you no, can see I, what you could do to him <laughs> there's only so many times you can get your head crushed in before yeah, you true. just start to feel a little uh maybe, maybe i should uh you know, be be a little more aware of my surroundings. When you're level four and you see someone that fills up the whole screen, it's probably not <laughs> yeah. a great time to take them on, right? Maybe <laughs> no. maybe hold off a little bit. I'm, um, I'm brave, but I'm also stupid. So. That's right. Alex, I wanted to I wanted to ask about you your kind of approach to the game, like just 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 playing it, like what how your minute to minute gameplay, like how what do you, what kind of decisions are you making? What what drives you to go in a certain direction or to do certain activities in Elden Ring? So when I actually kind of started playing this game, like I was just very cautious, right? Like you know when I played like games like Bloodborne and stuff, like I felt like that was like my go to, but when I kind of just got out into the world and saw how vast it was. It it it's almost like my guard kind of got lifted and stuff. It it almost kind of arrested me with like how it looked, and it was just like you know what, you know, it's okay to like die in this world. It's okay to explore if things are too hard. Just leave because there's like a ton more content, and so because the game kind of you know reinforced that idea, I just kind of started exploring now. It took me a long time to kind of really latch onto the idea of if it's too hard, leave. Like, I actually spent about two or three days trying to kill the troll that's like leading up to like the rampway, going up to like 
uh, Stormville <laughs> Castle. Yeah. And I was yeah. just like, this game is too hard. And <laughs> and then um, I started kind of exploring the immediate area and because I th- told myself, you know, it, this is not working. This is an open world. There's got to be a better way to do this. And so I started exploring like the nooks and crannies. And better yet, I literally just rode my horse and went past that troll and knowing, you know, not knowing that I could just do that, you know, so I was just like, oh, I could just do that. Like, I have a horse, you know, like, it just kind of clicked to me, like, I don't need to face these enemies if I didn't want to. And then I faced Margit because at the very beginning, you know, this, the the path of grace basically led me to him and I got stuck for a couple more days. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm not doing something right. And then I actually literally restarted the game from scratch because I was like, I need to kind of find a better frame of mind to attack this game. Mm-hmm. And so instead of going right to uh, that troll and Margit, I kind of just got to the side of grace where you um, where you meet Melina and you get your horse, you get your you can level up. <laughs> Imagine you have to basically meet this woman to level up in this game. Right? It took me three, two or three hours before I even found her because I went in a different right. direction after the starting place. <laughs> I went south rather than yeah. north. And so I didn't even run into her or or get the horse or any of that stuff until hours into the game. I'm like, I'm, I'm kind of waiting. Like, where is this? Where is this? <laughs> where do I level up? You know, am I supposed to die and get there or something like that? And I think that's, again, one of the special things about the game is that all of us have this different experience of playing it. Yep. As, even if we've all kind of seen all part of the zeitgeist, we're all kind of like realizing it together. There's this communal aspect to it. There's also just the fact that it's such a big game and so many different directions you can go in. Yeah. You know, it's funny because so many people get angry when people compare Elden Ring to Legend of Zelda Breath, uh, Breath of the Wild. And I think the comparison is apt. Mm-hmm. I think the failure of both parties is to articulate why that is. So in the video, in the 30 minute video that I made, I articulated that part of the reason why it's being compared a lot is due to the design of the mini dungeons in Elden Ring being more of an elaboration of what Breath of the Wild was trying to do with its own shrines, right? Like the shrines in Breath of the Wild are very compact. The mini dungeons in Elden Ring are very compact, but it's a lot more elaborate because there are mazes, there's different variations, and it definitely felt, and, and they're not throwaways. Like, I feel like the, the puzzles in Breath of the Wild shrines are are fine, but they, they're not memorable. Like, no. there are memorable mini dungeons in Elden Ring, which kind of really complement your experience. But also part of that, too, is the incur- the way that the game is designed is really encourages that sort of wanderlust that you got from Breath of the Wild as well. It's like, hey, there's a big tower on top of like this kind of watery marsh and stuff that looks really cool. I'm going to go there. And that's the kind of thing that, you know, games like these do it extremely well. Having like landmarks that are so attractive, it's almost like a moth to a flame at that point, right? Like you're just attracted to it. You're like, ooh, I want to get killed there, you know? I mean, for for Breath of the Wild, there's a couple things that stand out to me. One was just the some of the initial demos that Miyamoto and um, uh, Anumasan kind of walked us through. Right, the, the, one of the first things they showed on the Wii U, I guess, when they originally uh, showcased the game, was this idea of looking into the distance, setting down a waypoint, and saying you can go there. 
mm-hmm. and then and then you would go there. You'd climb a mountain, you'd climb a tower, and you would you would glide her down from it. And that, that I think that to me is like that prototypical part of the Breath of the Wild experience is going up high and floating down to somewhere new. Uh, of course, you can ride your horse too, but for me, it was always a, a travel up and then fall down. Yeah. Uh, in, in Elden Ring, you get a little bit of that too because there's there's a ton of elevation in the game. But the funny thing is that sometimes you'll fall off a ledge and you don't know if you're going to die necessarily yeah. or not, right? Or how much damage you're going to take. But just getting on the horse and the fact that the horse can double jump, your horse can double jump. Like that, <laughs> that opens up so many possibilities for traversal. It's just, it's just wild to me that adding a jump for your character, but then a horse that can go really fast and can double jump and just feel feels like you can kind of turn on a dime with it too like just movement in this well, game exploratory movement is in, insanely fun mm-hmm. yeah i mean these are all good things and and you know it's funny because after playing elden ring i started going back to older games and my goodness like the quality of life in elden ring is incredible like just, yeah. it's yeah. so difficult to go backwards yeah, I mean one one part one part of that that at least remi- you know when I compare Elden Ring to previous Souls games is just the um the fact that there are so many sites of grace or and not just sites of grace but also the statues of Marika where mm-hmm. if you die you are not punished by being sent back super far, right? Like yeah. in other Souls games, if you if you like just think about Demon Souls for a second here from PS5 or, or the original, it, there are some stages where if you die at the very you know, maybe about halfway through the stage, you have to go to the very beginning and think mm-hmm. about all the enemies that respawn. They have to just claw your way through again. It can be pretty disheartening, right? Yeah. And I get it. It's part of that game. You know, there's more condensed spaces. It's not meant to be an open world game, and that's fine. Um, it's still really good on its own merits. But Elden Ring does something t- entirely different. And I think this is what really makes it approachable is that death is not nearly as punitive in Elden Ring as it is in other games. Um Yes, you can lose your soul, you can lose your ruins, and that can be devastating depending on what point of the game you are. But you can also get lots of ruins very quickly in this game. Mm-hmm. It's like there's so many places to to grind out or to to just get a, a, an insane amount of ruins. But really, the progression isn't so much on ruins. Once I kind of realized this, that progression is about get you know getting a weapon that you're comfortable with, learning to use that weapon. Um, and then leveling up your weapon, right? Going to a smith, yeah. improving your weapon um, to a, you know a plus five or a plus ten or what have you. Um, equipping different arts to the weapon that might jive with your play style. Uh, finding spirits to summon that you know again can can work with what what how the way you like to play the game. There are so many ways to, I guess, deal with the action and combat part of this uh, mm-hmm. the part of this experience and just the 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 sheer variety to Elden Ring is is immense. Yeah. And ironically, too, like this is a formula that's existed all the way back to Demon's Souls, right? Like in Demon's Souls, you can do the exact same thing. So it's not like this is this revolutionary thing that all of a sudden, like they figured out like, you know, 12 years later or something. No, it's literally at the core of the DNA of From Software's games and all that. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't feel that different from from previous versions like the combat feels pretty similar especially demon souls i think when like comparing the uh, like the 60 fps movement like i felt like when demon souls came out it just felt a little more uh it felt less stiff like i felt like i had better control of of the characters but it's still when you go back to like dark souls it's not that like the basic combat is still the same like it's, it's really not that much different mm-hmm and uh, you're talking about like, the, the with the, you know the progression of like building up the weaponry and that sort of thing. Like for me uh, as a magic user, um, 
what I've been finding is is that each time I get a new magic spell, I, I, I become, you know, I don't know if more powerful, but I become more versatile. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. I was thinking of like this one, uh, and it's funny. There's a, a guy at my work who got it when it came out, and and we had like a half hour chat about <laughs> it today <laughs> because we were talking about all the places we went. So I was telling him about I had my first uh, invasion, and it was at the uh, the smoldering church. And it's funny because he had the, an invasion at the smoldering church as well. And the, the, and the thing with that was, is so I'm riding my horse and get kicked off the horse. I couldn't figure out why. And I'm, cause it didn't immediately say that there was an invasion. I'm just like, did my horse die? What's going on? I don't know what's happening. And then they, you know, the little message come up that says, uh, Anastasia is invading you. And I'm like, oh, okay. And so I'm looking for the person and they're like way off. I can see the red, you know, way off in the distance. So I, I start like shooting pellets at them, like the 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 pellet, the glintstone pellet, I think it's called, mm-hmm. or pebble. Mm-hmm. And um, I hit them, hit them a couple times, but they had figured out that you know a roll, you just roll, and you, it, I kept missing. So I didn't want to really show my hand of like how much how much spells I actually had. So I just kept using it until they got closer and closer and closer, and I let them co- like get right up to me, and then I I pull out my magic, my massive magical sword. That two shot of them to death. Yeah, <laughs> and nice. And I was, and it was like if I didn't have that that sword, I probably would have been creamed because like they, you know, this person had this huge great sword that they were trying to hit me with, and they had figured out how to dodge the pebble. But um, just having that, you know, when I run into an enemy where it's like, you know what, I can't. They're too fast, or they're they're coming in too close. I need something else, and and purchasing that that sword uh, maneuver or magic ability just like change to change my combat style. Yeah. I want to add something to what you said. Cause you talked about like talking to your coworker about this. I was picking something up at a Walgreens. Right. And I was just like talking to my friend when I came into the store and I was close to the counter and stuff. So I, I grabbed like what I needed and, you know, hung up with my hung up from my friend, like on the phone. And I started talking to the guy and he was like, what game are you guys talking about? It's like, I said, like, oh, we're talking about Elden Ring. He's like, me too, man. And we just had, like, this long-ass conversation, like, you know, talking about, like, where we were in the game, what we're doing, what our builds are. And that's kind of, like, I think, you know, something that I talked about in my video, which is, like, Elden Ring is so much bigger than just what you find in the game. It's also, like, the community that's built up because of the systems in the game as well. And, you know, kind of like what you share, David, it's, like, you can literally walk up to somebody and be like, hey, did you fight Placidus X? And yeah. somebody will be like, who is that? You know, <laughs> and, yeah. and we'll all have this very different experience. And, and that's one of the reasons why I just absolutely love this game, because I can even enjoy the game without having to play the game like what we're doing now. Yeah, very, very much a water cooler type of uh, type of game. Like even yeah. with the um, he, he was telling me about uh, different ways to farm ruins and stuff he's talking about like this uh when i had mentioned being tr- you know warping myself to the to that one beastal ch- chapel or whatever it's called he was telling me he's like oh well you should do that again and there's this dragon that's kind of stuck in the dirt and he doesn't really attack you so it's 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 an easy way to kill him and it's like and then you get eighty thousand ruins <laughs> and i'm like oh, okay <laughs> so it's like it, you know like like he said like I, I hadn't even gone in that area and he's like you know helping helping uh with like ruin farming and stuff so it's yeah it's just it's funny to 
to have those kinds of conversations for David, sure. David, with your luck, that dragon's been patched by now. And the next time you go and attack it to get your 80,000 ruins, it's going to turn on you with a big fire blast or something like that. And, yeah. I, and I know the one he's talking about. And I feel like I've mm-hmm. learned, you know, half a dozen uh places to grind for ruins that are all fun and interesting and you know depending on where you are in the game can be really useful some are as easy as like a, a boulder that fall that a boulder that's meant to crush you will just continue on down a hill and crush the enemies at the end of the hill and then then you get the ruins from that some of them are attacking a, a huge dragon that has you know maybe millions of hit points and but it doesn't really move and and you can just kind of bleed it to death um, other ones, you know, you go you go to a place that you're not ready for at all, but there's just, it's just filled with all these enemies that grant you tons of ruins. Um, and, and again, just the, the discovery of these things, whether that's, you know, going on Reddit or on YouTube or, yeah, talking to someone at work about things that they discovered. And then you can go and discover it, too. And it's kind of this, she- this secret that you share, I guess, or that, that that information you can share with someone else, right? It just kind of proliferates like that. It's one of the really enjoyable things about playing this game and the fact that so many people are playing it compared to you know five or ten years ago when when bloodborne or uh even sekiro games before that came out like just not as many people were getting into them mm-hmm. and they weren't all getting into them at launch which it seems like just el- there's this yeah. huge buildup of of people playing the game and interest in the game around the elden rings debut yeah i want you guys to consider this really cool fact right so obviously we know that elden ring sold 12 million copies even before the end of march did you guys know that the entire trilogy of dark souls pretty much amounted to that much (laughs) i think i might have heard something like that but it's still it's still staggering to me that that's the case and I, i guess it just speaks to you know how is it something about Elden Ring? Is it something about people getting into the Dark Souls games later? Alex, what do you think? Like, what? Wh- why is this the case? I really do think that, you know, Elden Ring is kind of like a reaction to not just from what's happening internally at FromSoft, but also like to a lot of people's kind of gripes about the Souls series to begin with. And the reason why I bring that up is because for the longest time, from software has been kind of, I think at this point of understanding the series, unfairly kind of been told that they don't make accessible games. Yeah. Now, that's always been a tough topic to breach because accessibility is a very difficult thing to address because there's so many different kinds of handicaps and kind of uh, you know things that people have to overcome. And so you know, and, and arguably, like, it's not just a from software problem. It's a problem for like the entire industry. Mm-hmm. And so I think that by opening up the world a little bit more, they've kind of allowed people to, you know, to create their own fun in a way. And jokingly, a lot of people say that open world games are games where you create your own fun. But I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing, especially with the way that Elden Ring plays. Because I think because of the core systems of, um, of Elden Ring, how strong its combat is. Every time you pick a different weapon, it's a completely different game, mm-hmm. right? Like yeah. you pick a you you pick a a pike and start attacking with that. It's not going to be the same as like a colossal weapon or a bow or a magic staff or anything like that. It's all going to be different experiences, even within the same uh and en- like weapon type, right? Like a sword is not like a regular sword is not going to. Uh, function the same as the bloodhound fang which is also another kind of sword you know or this or that and it's i think that's kind of like what's amazing about this is you can make it as hard or as easy as you want it to be 
And it still kind of falls within the purview of the goal of from software as a developer, which is they want you to they want you to overcome hardship. That is the core principle of from software. Mm-hmm. That is the goal, not to make a difficult game, not to make an impossible game, but for you to feel great. For, for that feeling of accomplishment to really mean something that is at the core of like their entire design. And, you know, a lot of people have described from software games to me in very different ways. Like people are like, Oh, well they're very old school, like eight bit style. And of course at the time I'm like, what are you talking about? It's a, it's a 3d game. Like it's not a platformer, you know, but then PS3 is eight bit now. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 you know, but I, when I really sat down and thought about it, I, re- I released a video that's like two hours long of me trying to get the whip in Castle Morn because me and my friend started talking about Elden Ring and he's not playing it, by the way. But I said, I wonder if I could do a Castlevania like playthrough with a whip, you yeah. know, and she, he was like, oh, man, that's a great idea. So I recorded it and, you know, commentated on it and stuff like that. But during that playthrough, it kind of something really like struck me and and I kind of had, you know, memories of playing the last two or three areas of, Dra- you know, Castlevania three Dracula's curse where all of the enemies can just four shot me and die. And I was like thinking to myself, wait a second. I had to deal with this BS like back in the eighties. Mm-hmm. This, this shouldn't be any different, you know? And it even kind of uh, enlightened me in a little bit and kind of started, you know, and that kind of mindset made me really approach these games in a different way. And I think, I think that's kind of like, what's really cool about these. It's like, they're, they can mean different things to different people. And I think that's why the conversations surrounding these are always so fun. Like I, I know we have a list of places and things that we, we want to even talk about. I can't, I can't wait to talk about some of these like Siofra <laughs> river. My God, like, you yeah. know, I, I just, yeah, dude, like it's so crazy. Like this game is so nuts. I think we should get into it because there's a ton of stuff and I know we're going to back, you know, we're going to piggyback on other people's ideas about, you know, their mm-hmm. favorite things and the experiences we had in these places that we visited. So, you know, why, why don't we just get into that? Um, David, you already mentioned uh, the, the smoldering church you went to with this uh, this um, invasion by Anastasia um, and how, how you defeated her. Uh, what about I know you've one of your favorite places or moments is the beginning of the game. Right. So why don't you tell us about about your uh, you know how that came to be? You know, what 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 how did it make you feel like that kind of stuff? Yeah, well, it was like starting up the game. I, I've seen videos and pictures and stuff, so I knew it was going to be a beautiful game. But they definitely, and a lot of games are doing this now, where they kind of have that aha moment at the very beginning when you kind of take your first steps and then you just kind of see how vast everything is. And I felt like that was basically the moment that you walked out of the, um, oh, what is, what's it called again? The, it's like the Forgotten Graveyard or whatever that first, like that first place you die, uh, like you, you wake up and you take the elevator up. And then you kind of walk out a few steps and it's it's right before the first gr- sight of grace. 
but it just kind of shows you everything. Like you see the the massive like the the massive tree that's glowing on the right, and then you can see Stormvale Castle at the top of a hill, and then you can see like mm-hmm. the ocean on the left, and then you know you can see all the hills and and all and all the the foliage and everything, and it, it was just kind of this like man, like this is this is. Because I had that moment with Demon Souls where it's like, man, everything looks beautiful here. Like, look at all this like massive castle structures and all this stuff. And uh, I just think Elden Ring took it one step further, and it, and because it, it has like all those same Im- incredible castles and incredible landscape, uh, you mm-hmm. know, architecture and stuff. But then the the landscape of of just the forests and the world are just incredible too. The fact that you get to walk up to these castles and these structures, these towers, all of these things, right? Rather than being like teleporting through a painting or through a portal and just being in the castle, you're actually walking up to them. So you're yeah. seeing how big they are from the outside and trying to gauge like, oh, how is it actually going to be that, you know, that big or that small on the inside? And you really don't have any idea of the scope until you get into it and you see that, you know, it's got a basement and it's got tunnels and, and doors and, and, you know, uh, pulpits, I think they're called like the little towers that old castles have things like that. Um, I want to hit on one thing you mentioned, the, the idea of, um, wherever you are kind of you know coming out of a the beginning of the game or out of a out of a dungeon out of a catacombs whatever and seeing the earth tree and the earth tree kind of being in the center of the map and being this like kind of marker for you to kind of show you where you are in a way mm-hmm. right or to give you like a sense of like wait, you're, you're back to reality in a way like if you, if you just finish the dungeon you finish a catacombs you finish doing something and then you look around and you're like oh there's the earth tree again you know it kind of it kind of reminds you or brings you back to um, helps you kind of center yourself, I guess, in the game mm-hmm. or helps you kind of find where you are. I just love it as this kind of like North Star, so to speak. And the fact that like near the end of the game or, you know, three quarters of the way through the game, the tree can just burn down. <laughs> like, you can just set the tree on fire and then the whole world is kind of on fire. It, it, yeah. It's wild that, that that kind of event can happen. Yeah, I actually want to add to that because like I mentioned that in my... 30 minute video i know i'm mentioning my 30 minute video a lot i'm sorry it's really like, good you should Alex, you should keep mentioning it that people yeah. need to watch that video it's awesome thank you so in my video i actually compared it to disneyland and disney world because if you think of if you've ever been to those places what is the one thing that you see from any part of the park yeah. it's the castle yeah. it's always there and from a urban planning standpoint um if you're you know, in if you've ever been to Paris, it's exactly the same thing. You see the Eiffel Tower from everywhere, and they and the, and the main reason why they do that is because there's actually a city limit to how much height you can build your building while you're in Paris. So that way, you can see the Eiffel Tower from everywhere. And so the fact that they, you know, that Elden Ring has something like that, as you said, it's like a North Star, but it's yeah. almost like kind of like a weird compass that yes. not only serves as a you know, a guide, so to speak, of your relative location in the world, but also has a storytelling element to it is just a stroke of genius. Like, as you said, like it can burn down. Like that is such a powerful moment when you see that. And it's just like mind blown that you can Mm -hmm. literally see that everywhere. And you're like, wow, that is like, and even that presence, right? The presence of the Erd tree everywhere that, that already in itself tells a pretty strong story. Yeah. And, and, and in this world, you know, you'd think something golden, shiny like this, and, you know, it, it's akin to heaven or it, it, it could be like this very positive, 
influence in the game but but it's also very negative too like if you think about the story and the lore like mm-hmm. the earth tree is not something it's not your friend you know it's not meant to make your life easier necessarily like it, it can also be considered maybe the, the root of the problems or the root of the issues that you're encountering in the game but yeah i think compass is a really good metaphor for it though alex it, it's funny that you mention root because that's literally what it does right yeah because yeah. like all of the graveyards in the game have the roots of the earth tree yes and because death is no longer a thing like the earth tree is literally absorbing all of the ashes of all these you know like entombed people mm-hmm. and it's just kind of absorbing it in, in, into itself which you know it's that's what that's what it is it's the greater will that's taken over the earth tree right and all yeah. of a sudden it's like a good guy and you know what's funny i'm realizing that we probably could do another episode with just a lore <laughs> yes of course <laughs> of course it's, not, it's tons of it right now yeah. my goodness yeah um, Alex, why don't you, so, so that's what, kind of one of David's first ones, you know, kind of, you know, coming out of the graveyard, you know, this just jaw dropping moment where you you're seeing everything around you and you're realizing, you know, just how beautiful this world is for the first time. Uh, you mentioned Siofra, Siofra, Siofra yeah. river. Um, do you want to start with that one? I think it's a fantastic place to talk about too. Oh my gosh. So I, I don't want to take away from David's because that, you know, opening moment, you know, when you see the world for the first time, I actually broke that down in my follow-up video, which was like my two-hour playthrough of the game, and I literally put arrows to like all the locations. Like, because you don't just see like Stormvale, you also see the starting area. Yes, yes. Well, and the church, you know, like so everything is there. But Siofra River was the first one that really made my jaw drop. Like, literally, like it's a you know, it's underneath a very unassuming building. It's yes. just in the middle of this. You know, at the at the time, it's just a really boring kind of foresty area. And you know, looking back and and kind of looking at the map right now, it's still kind of boring. But there's obviously a very good reason for that because there's a big hole in the ground that opens up. But for that particular building, I walked into that building trying to avoid the the rune bears in that area because there's a ton of bears in that area. Yes. Um. And then you go down and you're like. You know, I was looking at my watch. I'm like, wow, we're going down really, really far down, right? Like, it was like just going by really fast, too, speed-wise. And then all of a sudden, like, windows open up in front of you, and you see stars. And I was like, wait, we're going down. We're not going up. What is happening here? And what's really cool about that is that you see the twinkling lights, you know, up in the sky, it seems like. But then if you look carefully... You know, the light is actually reflecting off of the surface of the cave. Mm-hmm. And it's actually like stuck onto the top of this massive cavernous area. And so I was just like, oh my God, there is a completely different world underneath this entire large freaking map. You know, yeah. like I was literally that reaction. And, you know, as, when I finally got down, I started looking up and I was just like, oh my goodness, this is not this is not the only underground area this is gonna be there's gonna be a ton more of these and it just like blew me away i was like this is absolutely insane you know and i started thinking about like the you know what the stories they're trying to tell by absorbing like the environment and the background as i was playing through it you know deaths along the way many deaths yes of course uh, it it was just so overwhelming. Like I was playing with my wife and I looked over at my wife. I'm like, dude, dude, like what? 
<laughs> this, is, this is so crazy. It, it's so, it's right up there with you know a link to the past and finding the dark world for the first time, or Final Fantasy VI and leaving the world of balance, entering the world of ruin. This this this, this realization mm-hmm. that there's this whole other world that that is connected to or underneath the world that you've been exploring, right? That you you yeah. know the first time you go into this underground and you look at that map, you know it's not just this small it's not just this one river, it's not just this one small part that it's going to be a massive area under mm-hmm. here. And it doesn't doesn't match the size of the world of the map above ground, but it's 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 large enough that it does feel like its own really really massive space that you can just play in and there's so many cool things to find under there for sure. You know, you mentioned it like seeing the stars in the sky as if the, the world is kind of flipped on itself or something yeah. like that. You know, it is really, it, that's one of the most beautiful places in the game for sure. Yeah. And it's also sh- very shocking too, to, to think that, you know, of how the game actually disseminates information through the map. Right. Cause when you start the game, it's this little tiny map and you're like, ah, I can explore this game. What are, what are people talking about that? This is a big game. And then you go to the edge and then you notice the map extends to the right. And you're like, wait a minute. And you go south, and then a map extends south. And you're like, wait a sec. So literally, like they've only showed you a small portion of the map, and only until close to the end of the game that you really realize how massive the map is. Mm-hmm. And you know, I made sure to kind of point that out in my video because a lot of other games can't help but show you how big their maps are, right? Like it's kind of like this weird, like, you know, um, I, I don't want to say anything, you know, like too, too raunchy, but like, you know, they, they can't, they're, they're so excited to show you their girth, so to speak, yeah, their yeah, girth yeah. of experience that they're like, well, look at this. And, and I even opened up and installed like uh, Assassin's Creed Odyssey to compare. And I looked at it and I'm like, my goodness, there's like no reasonable way to do that, you know, mm-hmm. to just get through that in a timely fashion. And here I was like around 60 to 70 hours, like already like towards the end of the game. And I was like, you know, obviously it's, you know, the the amount of time people play is going to be variable depending on like how much you explore. But but that's kind of the beauty of it. It's like you can take as much of it or as little of it as you want. I have a friend who actually finished the game Including beating, you know, including beating millennia at around fifty hours, hmm. and that's a valid experience. Yeah. Oh, I, I mean, anyone's experience with this game is valid, and that, that, that's you know, we've talked about the way that you can just enjoy this game in so many different ways. I think you bring up a good point about the way that the map it kind of manipulates itself or the way that it grows outward rather than just showing you everything at once. And, you know, I think of a game like Assassin's Creed Valhalla where I'm, I'm, I, I'm at this point in my life where I'm, I'm turned off by a game that just, you know, plunks down the whole map and says, look how much there is to do. It's, it's too much. I, I really like what Elden Ring did where it, the map seems to grow as you explore. And another part of that feeling of being rewarded for exploring is not only do you see more of where you are, you see more of what could be. And mm-hmm. you, you get this idea of, okay, if I'm stuck here, I, I've, I've opened up the side of the map. I can see that there's something to the, to the east. I can see there's something to the north. And I can go there when I get stuck or when I feel like I, I, I want to do some exploring tonight. Maybe my PlayStation, my play session tonight is going to be about you know, exploring a new area of the map rather than taking on a boss or rather than you know, doing some grinding for ruins or um, crafting materials or something like that. Like I, yeah. all, the, all of that is the, just the way the map works in this game is just really fascinating to me. I really hope we see more 
I hope we see open world games kind of learn that lesson that, you know, it doesn't have to be just plunked down on a plate, like, you know, an all you can eat buffet, you know, and here's all the food, yeah. go and get it. Rather, it's, you know, you can have as much as you want, or that there is a lot to have, but we're going to give it to you in kind of meaningful portions. And when you're done with that, you can move on to the next meaningful portion rather than just gorging yourself, you know? Yeah, for yeah. sure. I for la- sure. I laughed at, um, so I was in, I was kind of north, a little northwest of Stormvale Castle because I, I figure I, I wasn't ready to take on the, the boss there. So I started to explore and I ran into this uh, woman who had lost her necklace. So I was like, okay, it's probably around here somewhere, you know, find it, bought it, brought it back to her. And she gave me, and she was happy. She gave me a, an invitation to like Volcano House or something. It's like this. Yeah, Volcano Manor, yeah. Yeah, Volcano yeah. Manor. So yeah, like, she's cool like, place. oh, well you know you have to go here and then you can go here and then you know then it'll take you up and you'll be able to 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 get to the manor and i'm like okay and i'm looking on the map i'm like i don't know what this place this cliff she keeps talking about is so i went and googled it and i'm looking at the map and i'm thinking like this is an elden ring like i don't recognize any of these places what is (laughs) what is this thing and i like open my map on the screen and i'm looking at my map and i'm trying to find anything any kind of commonality and i'm like clearly i'm not looking at the right game this is not none of these things are on my map yeah so then i found like this interactive map where i started to scroll out and i'm like what's going on what's going on And I'm like, why did the, the map is like three, three or four more maps of like what I actually had? I couldn't yeah. like it blew my mind. Yeah, it, it's incredible. And I, Alex, I mean, I definitely had that feeling when I first discovered you know, this whole underground area. I think the first one for me was when I, I, I entered a part of the underground where it's just filled with ants. Right. And I, and I know mm-hmm. I talked about this in a previous episode, just, you know, fighting these ants, these, these huge oversized ants. You know, you find this, there's almost like a colony of them. And it's just like. Just, just, just finding them for the first time and realizing, getting a better, better understanding of how big this game is going to be, and that you know that exploring that part of the map, the, that underground area with the where I first found the ants, uh, and kind of running through the river and this whole new area, like that, that took me hours and hours, and I just, <laughs> I never felt, I never felt like, oh, this is just more extra work for me to do because every time you discover something new, it, it feels like you, you've made some big progress. You know, you're going to get some items, you're going to get something important. Um, you're gonna you're gonna find some sites of grace that that always feel super rewarding. You know, no matter when you light up one of those beacons, it 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 you know that this is a place I can come back to later, right? Or I, or that I'm gonna want to come back to later. Um, or you know, if if I die to these ants, and I probably did die, you know, multiple times to them, especially when they 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 spit out some some acid breath kind of thing and it kills you in like one <laughs> shot or something like that. I remember that, but yeah, that, that that's a that's a really good one, seal for a river. Um. I've got a couple. Um, I'm going to save mine for the end because mine are a little bit more about uh, characters at the roundtable hold I want to talk about. Um, so, David, why don't we go back to you? Why don't you give us another one of your kind of areas or moments that really stood out to you? Yeah, so uh, it's funny. Alex actually mentioned this earlier. Uh, for me, one big standout was Castle of Morn. And it's funny because I so I found this site of grace and it was way north of Castle Morn. Like, I don't even think I could see the castle where I was standing. <laughs> And so I'm like, you know, I, I triggered the sight of grace and then I was kind of standing just a little bit away from it. And I was, I was looking at something in my inventory. All of a sudden I hear this massive crash and I'm like, <laughs> what is going on? And I'm looking around and I, and beside me is this, it looks like a freaking javelin mm-hmm. and it's this huge thing. And it's like up, it's, it just missed me. And so I'm like, who threw this? Like there must be a giant somewhere. <laughs> 
So I'm like walking along and all of a sudden another javelin like flies by my head and I'm like, who's shooting these things? <laughs> and <laughs> he's like, start walking towards it. And I finally see the castle and I see a giant standing in front of the castle and it's not a javelin. It's an arrow that the arrow is so big that it's a javelin yeah. to me, but it's an arrow to this, this goof down who's been firing that at me from like halfway across the map. And so I uh, found this little spot where I was standing on uh, I was standing on a rock and he kept hitting the rock like he would hit the boulder in front of me so I w- I could just like fire the, my rock magic at him and killed I actually killed him pretty quickly um but I'm like okay if this this guy looks pretty powerful if I if he's you know guarding this place this place must be pretty cool so I you know there's a sight of grace when you first walk in the door so I'm like okay good the, you know I'm probably going to get massacred here but at least I, I won't be won't have to go far and, you know, so you go up an elevator and the first thing I see is uh, like thousands of bodies piled in this big freaking mound. Mm. And there's all these like trolls dancing on the pile of bodies. And I'm like, oh, my God, <laughs> yeah. this place is a this place is a, a nightmare. Um, so, I, you know, I kind of went in and started firing off my uh, my, my pebble shoot or whatever and and, and managed to, to get past it and everything. But. It was just neat because, you know, you, you take out the trolls that are dancing on the, the the corpses of all the people that lived in this castle. And then you kind of start going up, uh, up and around the castle. And and uh, there's every manner of, of beings in this thing. Like there's you got the trolls and then there's like these other like flying troll things. And then um, I accidentally fell into a trap. I knew it as soon as I I'm looking at like. There, there was a body on the ground and there was clearly something to pick up from it. And it was just placed in a way that it's like, if I walk over there, something's going to get me. And mm-hmm. I'm like, but you know me. I, I'm like, no, no, God, there's treasure there. So I'm just going to go take it. And this like blob just drops on my head and, and like it just encompasses <laughs> my body. And I'm like yeah. trying to jump, trying to do anything to get out of this thing. Um, but then, yeah, I actually found the the whip that, that Alex had mentioned. I haven't actually used it yet. Like, mm-hmm. I've I've probably got like an inventory of a hundred things. I don't even know what's in my inventory. Mm-hmm. I haven't used any of the talismans yet, or I, I've been so busy. And then, uh, you know, and then I I managed to get like the boss of the castle. The boss for the castle is not even in the castle. It's the funniest <laughs> thing. Outside, that's right. <laughs> He's yeah. outside the yeah. castle. Um, but like to see this like castle that was that was you know, completely destroyed. It's just a kind of like a lore, the neat lore thing. Cause I don't even think it's part of the main quest or anything. I think it's just like a side quest to kind of do at your leisure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the boss like destroyed me because even though I, I used, um, I kind of got comfortable with the tactic of, uh, I'll drop my poison rat summon and, and just let, let the poison rat bite the boss until it becomes rotten. And then I just try to like run in circles until the rot kills the boss. <laughs> and <laughs> so I, I thought I would, you know, it worked on uh, Margaret and it, were, it worked on a couple other bosses. But um, this boss is just too fast. Like it, it, like it was just on me in a heartbeat. So I, I haven't been, I figure I'll come back later. But um, yeah, it's just a neat little place. Like even there was even like before I went in, there was a, I think there was like a servant from the place that actually warned me that like, you know, everyone's, everyone's, torn to shreds in that castle but mm-hmm. if, you know if you can clean it out that'd be wonderful <laughs> one of the <laughs> castle morton's one of the you know very early like yeah i don't think it's a, a mandatory place you have to visit but a pretty cool one for sure 
Um, that boss gave me a lot of trouble when I first fought him as well, David. Uh, yeah. I didn't, I didn't have the poison rat. I don't even know what summons. I, I'm, I'm sure I had the wolves and I had a jellyfish one as well. Um, but one of the cool things about this one that stood out to me, Calcium Warren, there's a girl outside. Uh, her name is Arena. Uh, I believe she's she's blind or blinded. She has she wears like mm-hmm. a blindfold uh, over her eyes, um, and she gives you a letter. Uh, and it's kind of one of the first site, one of the first side quests you probably encounter. Or first, certainly one that's uh, very easy to complete. Uh, she gives you a letter for her dad. Her dad is in the castle. Uh, eventually, you probably find him or, or, or not, but uh, you can find him uh, somewhere near the top of the castle, I believe. Um, his name's Edgar. Uh, and he, you give him the letter and he kind of tasks you with getting this great sword back from him. Uh, and you get, you'll get the great sword from defeating the boss of the castle. So that's one of the things you, you I guess one of the rewards you get, you, you bring him back the great sword in the castle. Um, and the way that the quest concludes, there's only a couple steps to it, but the way that it concludes is with, um, you kind of leaving the castle and you go to where arena was kind of just outside of it. And you see Edgar has found her and she's been killed. Right. And it makes sense that, um, you know, she's, she, she can't see, she's kind of helpless. Right. Um, Edgar kind of finds her. He's kind of made this choice to defend the castle rather than look after or take care of her. Right. So, um, you, you come back and you see this scene where Edgar's kind of, you know, he's wrought with, um, uh, you know, he's kind of overcome with his emotions, you know, he's, uh, but, but rather than just be sad about it, the, the ending emotion or the kind of final emotion you get from him is one of revenge. Like I'm going to, I'm going to destroy everything or, you know, everyone that's responsible for killing my daughter, I'm going to, I'm going to kill them. Um, I didn't realize, I didn't know this, but I was looking up the quest line. Um, and apparently there is a callback to Edgar in arena later in the game. I don't know where you find it, mm, but he, Edgar, it, it, he becomes one of the NPCs that invades you. If, when you go to one of these, one of those abandoned shacks. Um, and so I, I think his name is Edgar, the ravager or something like that. But the, I think the meaning here is that he's, he's been, he, he's just kind of given in to this feeling of revenge. Right. So a cool kind of story, you know, you know, minor story quest line there that you can do. You don't need to do it. Sure. But yeah. just one of those cool things you come across and the, you know, the, an interesting resolution to it for sure. Yeah. It's actually located in like to the West of, um, uh, of the Academy of Raya Lacaria. Okay. Yes. Right. Yes. Slightly North of the minor Erd tree. And you basically encounter a shack called the Revenger's Shack. Ah, okay. And there in there, Edgar the Revenger shows up. And, right. you know, it's 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 very tragic, but it's like, at the same time, it's kind of like, you know, when that happened, I was just like, oh, I'm probably going to fight you later. I'm sorry. Yeah, dude. yeah. <laughs> it's a typical kind of Soulsborne situation, right? Like the, the, yeah. a character overcome by a negative emotion, and then you, you end up having to take them out later. Yeah, we've definitely <laughs> seen that before. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, the, the, the Castle Morn are really good one, David. I really enjoyed that early part of the game for sure. D- definitely sets the pace once you get there and you finish that off. You, you feel like you, you can kind of accomplish something, even though you haven't pushed the story forward necessarily, but you feel a little bit more capable and ready for, for what comes next. Um, uh, Alex, do you want to uh, kick off another one of your from your list? Okay, I have way too many things on this list, but I'll pick like to me like something that happened fairly recently uh, this you know this past weekend actually, which is which happens to be you know in Volcano Manor of all things. Oh, great! Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So basically, this is my favorite part because it is so disgusting, and I was just like, I didn't even know this was going to happen, and my wife was kind of like helping me out here too because she t- had gone through Volcano Manor as well, and so I killed 
Praetor, Praetor Rikard. So it was, that was, you know, that was a fun fight. Um, and then, you know, she basically told me like, yeah, so tell Lady Tanith that you did that and stuff and, you know, and then come back there and try to talk to her and then go back to the arena. So I'm like, of a Praetor Rikard? Like, you know, th- there's something that happens there? She's like, oh yeah, like just check it out. So I, I teleported to the side of Grace and, you know, Rikard's arena and you see like Tanith, like on all fours, just like eating the carcass of the head of <laughs> oh Praetor Rikard because oh she wants to be blessed to be a serpent. Yeah. And so my wife was like, well, you have a choice. You want to kill her or you want to let her live? And I'm like, well, this is pretty disgusting. So I just like cla- <laughs> just killed her. We don't need her- another serpent to fight. You know, we're good. <laughs> yeah, no. And so like, a cr- you know, her, you know, friendly crucible knight buddy shows up, tries to kill me. But I'm like, dude, I've fought like, nine of you already i know how you're gonna freaking fight and kill the shit out of it and so I was yeah, like, All yeah right, that's good cool but that is such a shocking scene because like you know the game is dark right but you don't know how for how far the game is gonna go in its darkness especially if you're unfamiliar with the previous games so literally like when i saw like you know the just part of reichardt's head just like lopped off like and then hearing Lady Tanis say, oh, my lord, just just take, you know, just wait for me. It, it takes so long to consume all of you. And I was like, what, lady? Yeah, yeah, what wild. is happening? This is disgusting. So I was like, uh, slash. And, and just a, a, an easy thing to miss, right? That I, I bet a lot of players who play this game, they take out Pride of Rikard. They're not going back to that arena. Once you've, once you've killed the boss, and yes, you get the Sight of Grace, but you're probably not going to go back there unless you picked up on something Tanith might have said, or you just had a suspicion like, oh, okay, I'm going to go back and check out some of the old places that I've, uh, I haven't been back to, see if something's happening there. But if Tanith doesn't drop you know, a, a hint or a signal to you after beating the mm-hmm. boss that she is going to consume him, yeah. you don't really have that reason to go back there. Um, so yeah, just a really cool, not, not an Easter egg, but just one of those little things that the game adds that, you know, majority of players might miss, but just a really cool thing to go back to. And then you know, another, uh, obviously, you know, not pretty gruesome, right. But just a cool <laughs> thing that, uh, you know, it, it makes it makes the game so worth exploring and just returning to and, and knowing that every time you play this game, you're probably going to find something different like this. Yeah. And yeah. in, in, in the storyline, like Tanith actually says after you defeat Riker that she was going to go on a long journey, right? Like that's what okay. she says. And I was yeah. like, yeah, like your reaction. I was exactly the same with me. I'm like, okay, sure lady. You yeah. know, <laughs> a long journey, a long journey behind the castle or, or underneath the castle, or underneath the manor, to to where Brighter Rakers body is, right? Yeah. Well, That's not hilarious. even where, right? Like consume yeah. it to eat it. So yes, that yes. way she becomes a serpent. I was That's like, right. nah, no, lady, this is not at all. But are, like, I I think that does uh, lend to how the game actually tells its story, and and something that I talked about in my video was that the game doesn't have a traditional narrative in in that sense, but you know, because of the way that um, FromSoft has kind of infused its story across all of its items, the, the landscape, the enemies that you fight, um, it's it's almost like you're going on an archaeological dig and you, mm-hmm. you and your fellow players are tasked with piecing the story together. That's why there's like a million YouTubers like talking about the lore right now because we're all kind of piecing together the knowledge that we've accumulated, you know, across like at this point, millions of hours of playthrough across 12 million people. 
and and there, there there's so much more to come right like i, I imagine there's going to be there's going to be dlc there might be a sequel to this game down the line but there's still so much more to discover just about this game and i, I yeah i've started you know alex i watched your video i've been starting to watch some of Vadi videos uh Vadi videos content on on youtube and I, I my youtube page after watching a couple of uh, uh Elden Ring videos i'm now flooded with videos that have you know thousands hundreds of thousands millions of views now like everyone is going crazy for this game you know it's not just people playing it and it, it i imagine now it's so much of people that have finished it and are going back and kind of combing mm-hmm. through it archaeological dig you know that's a really good way to express it as well um we're all kind of thinking about that now we're in we're in that mode a little bit after going through the game and seeing this, the main story mm-hmm. now we're trying to figure out what does it all mean and what what did we miss on our yeah. playthrough that you know it could be a really cool thing to come back to yeah and if you really think about it right like some of the most successful games are able to create conversations outside of itself, right? It, it, you know, t- to give an example, if you think about the entire Five Nights at Freddy series and the gameplay, well, the gameplay is not really that interesting. But then when you look into the lore and the story of what's actually happening behind the scenes with all the clues that its creator kind of leaves, that's where a lot of the interest actually comes in. That's where things become interesting because, you know, he's telling a story here, but in the most undirect, like indirect way. And, you know, and Elden Ring has actually from software in general has been doing this for years. And now that more people are actually into this, like people are now kind of getting to experience that. And Mm -hmm. I want to be clear for people who actually aren't playing Elden Ring. The reason why a lot of people are playing it isn't necessarily because that they're trying to, become you know like part of the cool kids club or something like that it's it's more along the lines of like becoming part of the mystery like engaging yourself in what the community is talking about and also you know creating discussions on like well what am i you know what is happening in my game and i think that's that's why so many youtubers make videos on these is because you know if you tackle this by yourself, it's it's a nigh impossible thing to understand mm-hmm. but with others much like how other um, player messages or deaths kind of help you in the game and form you of what's about to happen. It's it's kind of the same thing as happening to you know uncovering its lore and story. You know, yeah. Um, one just before we move off the volcano manor, there there is a, a side quest there that you can do where you kind of become an assassin for hire, and I thought yeah. that was a really fun part too. You you're basically hired to murder people. Uh, it reminded me of like Assassin's wait, Creed wait, wait, or something wait. like that. Right? This this is at Volcano Manor. Yes, yeah. it is. Yeah. You, okay. You, I you, I know where I need to go then. You got yeah. This is right <laughs> up your alley, David. You 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 get these letters, and they're kind of like um, I don't think they're overly hard to decipher. They kind of mark a place on your map, and then you go. Yeah. To the place on your map and um, um an invader pops up and you fight them and then you you go back and you kind of cash in the fact that, oh i beat this guy okay you get the next letter uh and then you get to go on to the next one and it's just, it's just a really fun part of the game that you know there isn't i hadn't come across something like that to that point uh you know i hadn't maybe hadn't met a ton of invaders by that point as well but to go and like hunt people down was pretty cool um there might be something else you have to do to get them to show up alex i can't maybe i, I might be missing a detail there but um i just remember kind of completing each one moving on to the next one there was mm-hmm. and there's a character at uh volcano manor in one of the side rooms and he's kind of like kind of you know, celebrating you or clapping you on the back, you know, good job. You took a, you, you killed the, you murdered those people. Like, good for you. You're one of us now. And I'm like, yeah, I guess I'm a murderer. <laughs> I'm like, okay, that's fine. Like, yeah. it's, it just, it's just something I hadn't expected about that location, but it, it is a super dark area. So it, it does fit. And, and a very red area. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah for yeah. sure. 
But like you know, to to kind of add to what you said, uh, all you need to do is to join Volcano Manor and you get yeah. these contracts. And you know, to kind of uh, add more clarity to this, it kind of simulates you invading somebody else's game because yes, you right. find a summon thing underground, you use it, and then you get quote unquote loaded into somebody's game, and then they'll you know they'll show up and you have to kill them. And what's really cool about this storyline is that there's also a subtext that's also happening like a side story that's happening in the background as well you know one of the servants the the person with the necklace has her own story so if you continue her storyline you can actually explore the rest of volcano manor or if you don't do that you can literally complete all the assassination contracts and go directly to rykard himself mm, that, right you know you don't even have to do the dungeon at all but you know, it's 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 an option. So um, I actually like explored as much of the dungeon as I can, so yeah. that that way I have access to this person to Raya. And then right after that, I was just like, I'll just finish the assassination contract, so I don't have to go through all this hoopla, and you know, I could just go to Rykar directly. So, yeah. but so convenient. It's it's cool that you can do both. I love that that you know that you have multiple paths to get to to get to that boss that you need to take out. Um, one one final thing about the fight with Rikert, I, I love uh, maybe the, maybe people see them as kind of gimmicky, but it is a fight where you get uh, like a special weapon in front of mm-hmm. it uh, that lets you do this very very powerful uh, you know kind of. It reminded me of some. Uh, this is a very uh, obscure reference, I suppose. But in in Captain Commando, uh, and I'm specifically thinking about him in the Marvel versus Capcom games. He has a fine. He has a final move where he's, he basically shoots this you know big laser beam up in the in the, up in the air like a sword, and then chops it down. And this reminded me a lot of Captain Commando's move. You basically get a spear that you can extends out like a like a lightsaber or something like that, and you basically use it to chop down uh, Praetor Rikard's the two forms, the serpent form, and then I guess when he find when he actually emerges from the serpent. Uh, but I, I like I kind of like those gimmick fights. Like I like the one from Demon Souls where you get the the storm collar one and you're shooting the big tornadoes out. Like I I think they're kind of fun and uh, you know let you do a, a, a let you do combat in, it in a different fashion that you might not have done before. So uh, I'm I'm always into those ones. Um, so I, I'm gonna do I'm gonna do one where we're we're getting close to the time where we usually cut off. So I'll, I'll probably do one more, and we can do like a final thoughts kind of thing as well. Um, I want to give a special shout out to the Roundtable Hold. Um, I think it's a really unique and interesting place. Like you know. Almost all the Soulsborne's games, they have a hub where, you know, NPCs are going to come mm-hmm. together or where kind of side quests branch off of or where you you use the hub to kind of go to all the different areas. And Roundtable Hold is kind of like that in that it's the place where most of the NPCs kind of gather, right? Like, obviously, there are a ton throughout the world, but there's this one condensed space that it's a safe space, right? You can go there. You can feel like you're not going to get attacked. You can, uh, there's a Smith there, Master Hugh. Uh, there's a play, uh, a woman there, Roderica, who will eventually go there and she, you can use her to level up your summons. 
Um, there's a person who kind of provides you information, eventually gives you rewards in Gideon. Uh, I love how he kind of he's kind of like the gatekeeper at first, where he's like, oh, no, you haven't really done anything yet. You don't belong here. But then, you know, once you get your first uh, uh, major rune uh, and then he kind of welcomes you into the roundtable hold proper, you know, you are kind of a, you're one of us. Uh, then he starts kind of working together with you. Um, there, there's a shop where you can bring um, these ball bearings. And the, if you bring the, more of the ball bearings to these two um, sisters, they basically let you buy more things there, including crafting materials um, uh, and, and smithing, smithing stones and stuff like that, too. Um, there's a, a girl on a bed named Fia. And I, I thought the, the story around her uh, you know, at launch was really interesting. Like, oh, there's this girl who wants to give you a hug or embrace you. Uh, but you know, you shouldn't do that. Like, don't, don't, don't let her hug you. It's not good for you. And I'm like, I just thought that, that that kind of panic over this character was really interesting. Um, basically, if, she, if you let her embrace you, she, pr- she puts a debuff on your character that reduces your total health. Uh, she also gives you a, a consumable item, the Baldachin's Blessing. Um, and so you, you can kind of get rid of the debuff quickly, but it's just remember the panic around this character. And, you know, be very careful about um, a character not being entirely helpful to you in a very safe spot. I thought that contrast was pretty interesting. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I like the roundtable hold a lot. I, I, I like its design, you know, all the books and, and everything that's everywhere. And then how it's basically kind of crumbling and, and, and destroying after the earth tree is set on fire. Mm-hmm. And so many of the characters that were there, they leave and it feel really feels desolate. And that you've, yeah. you've, you've kind of, you've made, you've made a big choice that has really affected not just you in this world, but all these people that you've met before too. Yeah. I want to ask you guys something about the round table hold. Have you guys found the physical location of it? Um, I feel like I did come across it. I can't, is it, um, underneath, um, what's the one I'm thinking of an L. Um, I mean, it's, it's in the capital. Yeah, that that the Lane Landell, right? Or um, Lane, yeah, Landell, yes. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's underneath there, right? No, no, it's just one of the buildings. Oh, it's, it's just one of the buildings. Yeah, yeah, just right before you fight the um, you know, the spectral Godfrey, for the lack of a better term. There's sure, like yeah. a little chapel on the side that you can kind of jump down to, That's and then right. when you start exploring it, you're like. Wait a minute. This looks entirely I've, I've familiar. I've been here before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, that, and that's when you kind of realize that, like, you know, the round table hold is this, you know, kind of spectral world. And and the funny thing to it, and, and mind you, I'm not a uh, from software expert, but apparently this is a theme that's been running for a long time for from hmm. software games. Like a lot of these locations are typically locations that you'll encounter again later in the games like you know the hunter's dream and bloodborne is a really good example of that right like and and that like shocked me that this was actually like a, an ongoing theme in their games and i was like oh that's that's very interesting that's cool yeah i remember when i first encountered that I, it's been a little while since I, i've played the game but i remember finding that and being like okay that like this is I, I know i've been here before this is really interesting where, where are all the people like why you know, what has happened here, but it's another one of those fantastic, you know, environmental storytelling things that happens. Mm-hmm. Like you see, you know, a place that's been destroyed and you see the kind of what it could be. 
and then what what it eventually became, right? That contrast that happens. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I love the characters that you meet there you, from, from the the people where you you bring them, um, you know, spell books and you can buy spells from them. There's just all manner of types, like people that are helpful, people that are threatening to you, ones that are really you know happy to see you or or will offer you a, a side quest to go on. Um, there's even the the area that there's like kind of unlock doors to unlock as well. Like it, it's it's almost a puzzle too that. Um, when you first get to the round table hold, not all of it is accessible to you. But as you go through the game, you're going to get things or get abilities or learn things that can allow you to expand the hold and, and find the treasures that are kept in there as well. Yeah. Um, what I, I just wanted to kind of go back to the Master Hugh and Roderica characters just a little bit before, uh, before I move on. Um, and I love their relationship at the end of the game where... Roderica really feels kind of um, bad for Master Hugh. She, she wants him to leave. She wants him to kind of save himself or to go somewhere else. But he's, you know, he's kind of he's stubborn. He's he's trapped in this place where he feels you know compelled to stay here and help you or you know help someone to you know, end all of this, right? To mm-hmm. to to become the Elden Lord or to to put everyone out of their misery, for lack of a better phrase. Um, and I, I love her kind of her tone in, in, in the, I guess, the voice actress who, who, who does her lines, the writing there. Um, it just really feel, I really felt kind of sad about that. You know, she feels very badly about this, this one fellow situation. She wants to get him out of there. And that there's kind of a relationship between the two that they're, they're kind of working together to help you improve, to, to buff your, your, your weapons and your, your, your spirit, your summon spirits. But also, you know, they they're, they kind of mutually feel bad for each other. It feels like, you know, get 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 her out of there, get him out of there. They do care about each other, and you, I think that really does come through by the end of the game. Uh, so I really liked that pair of characters, and one of the reasons why I, I would frequent the roundtable hold uh, quite often. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it, it's such a cool area. Like I just absolutely love it. Mm-hmm. Uh, do we want to quickly do one more place? Uh, I'll, I'll I'll do mine at the end. But if, if David, do you want to? Is there one more area, or even a, just a final thought about the game? I, obviously, you've got you've got still many more hours to put in. I think, but uh, <laughs> even where you are now, or the last kind of cool thing you saw. Yeah, I guess it's just the just the feeling of of finding things. Like, um, just to go back to the accessibility real quick. Like I like I said, I I just feel like. Alex kind of nailed it with the, you know, just maybe the way it's set up. It's just made where it's just, it's easier to kind of play your way. Like I remember playing in like dark souls where you get to the point where it's like, Oh, you know, you run into a really tough character and you have a hard time fighting them, whatever. There's nowhere to run. Like in dark souls, there's nowhere to like, you you could try to run, but it's still like this itty bitty path. Like I remember, you know, uh, early on in dark souls, I, pissed off one of the black knights and i'm like okay like i clearly can't beat you so i'm gonna run out of here and like and you're just kind of going through these narrow little pathways near little pathways and then you know and then he got me because <laughs> it was really like i just couldn't get away fast enough but in elden ring you know like the the i had like the exact same thing with the troll at the beginning where it's like you know you see this big archway and and the all the sights of grace are pointing towards it and you're like, okay, this is clearly where I'm supposed to go. So I started walking up, and then this massive troll drops down in front of me, and I'm like, okay, there's no, the the odds of me defeating this thing at at this point in the game, like I'm like an hour in, like I'm just gonna get wrecked. And you know, so I think I was using bow and arrow, bow and arrow at the time, so I shot it at shot an arrow, and I'm like, okay, that did about two damage, so I'm just yeah. getting the hell out of here. And 
I actually could get away. <laughs> like it's an open world. You could actually get away. I didn't mm-hmm. even need, I don't even think I had my horse at that point. I just ran, ran as like as fast as my legs could take me. And I just, you know, it is funny cause I'm like running away and then I'm like running through that little, str- that stronghold that, that were so like now I've got the troll chasing me. And then I had like the, the guards chasing me. And I'm just running, you know, <laughs> not looking back, yeah. just like running for my life. And then, uh, you know, let the I'll let the, the the guards worry about the troll or whatever. And I eventually got away, and everybody kind of just walked back to where they where they were. And it's it's like moments like that where it's like, you know, the heart the heart's you know racing, and you know hands are sweating, and you're like holding buttons, click buttons. You're like jumping, you're doing anything to survive, and and there's just a. Uh, uh, that that's like my takeaway from this game i guess is that it, there's just so many moments like that where it's the exhilaration of the moment is, is uh, you know there's a lot of high highs and it's it's just even i think i put in i've only had it for about a week and probably played 15 to 20 hours somewhere around there and it still feels brand new like if you know with that many hours in and i still feel like i've barely started or barely really started have this there's so much more to go you know and so many yeah. so many cool things you're going to see and you know, maybe we'll have to revisit the game uh, <laughs> later in the year or if, if, I mean, if there's going to be if the dlc does end up coming out which i wouldn't be surprised you know we're, we're definitely have to get together and talk about that too but I'm, I'm excited for you to see more of this game and i'm excited to meet some people at work that i, I recommended the game to and I, but I haven't talked to them since. You know, I haven't really heard about their experiences. I'm so ha- I'm so you know um, excited to see kind of how how they you know how they went through the game. What kind of you know moments did they have? Like the one you're describing, David. It, it's funny to go from riding on your horse, just you know admiring the scenery, seeing seeing what you see, finding a shack, lighting up a sight of grace, and then two seconds later, you yeah you're running for your life, or you, you you're you have your your horse has been destroyed or, or disappeared magically, uh, and you and you're you're in a fight for uh, uh for the rest of your life, right? Maybe you 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 ran out of potions or something like that too, and you're in big trouble. Uh, it's all all great. Um, Alex, any kind of final thoughts or final uh, moment or memory you wanted to share before we uh, wrap up? Yeah, I, I still have a lot of memories and uh, and kind of things to say about the game. Of course, that you know, I, an hour or so podcast is not going to contain it all. Definitely, but I think that you know, for for the longest time, I just never really understood what the deal is with FromSoft's games, and I think there's a lot of misconceptions about the series and the games that they make that you know gets touted around by a lot of loud people and stuff. And I think, you know, like my only hope, and and I know this is again, tooting my own horn, like don't, it's pretty much like one of the reasons like why I made my video is, is for people for who have never really wanted to play these sorts of games to kind of understand where the games are actually coming from not just Elden Ring, but also the entirety of the from software suite, right? Like uh, I talked, I did a ton of research, like talking about like, um, you know, Hidetaka Miyazaki, the director and the creator of all these games, um, talking about like his personal experiences that influenced the design of several fact, you know, several portions of the game, including the multiplayer and, and all that stuff. And, and if you really, and, and I find that, there's so much more to love in games once you get down to the humanistic aspect of of these titles and stuff. And I think Elden Ring kind of really defines a lot of that desire of connecting humanity together 
much more so than games like Death Stranding. Even though I mm-hmm. love that game, like I, you know, now playing a FromSoft game, I'm kind of like, sorry, Kojima, but you know, Miyazaki did a pretty good job of exemplifying what you wanted to do sticks yeah. and all I, I know that's like a weird in joke but like you know and i think that it's it's well worth um pursuing the to try to at least understand what it's doing even if you're not interested as a game player because i think you know i'm of the belief that um i think as fans of video games i think it's also just as interesting to know what's going on around us and the in the things that we're not interested in interested in uh, then you know in addition to like indulging in the things that we love and sure. and that's really i think all i can say about that no that's great I, I think the idea of kind of exploring outside of your kind of normal habits your your comfort zone so to speak i think i think that's great i think that you know if you didn't want to play eldering that's fine but i think there's so much interesting content being created about the game that you should try to get into that you know want, watch let's plays watch speed runs watch you know video essays like like yours alex like all these things that can express how people are engaging with this thing that can be one way that you engage with it right mm-hmm. um but yeah fi- find a way to explore and discover and maybe get into this game because it is it is an absolutely you know, super special one that um, I'm, I guess the thing that I want to end with is I'm, I'm so interested to see how the video game landscape is going to adjust or, or correct or change based on the reception to Elden Ring. Like I, I imagine this is going to be a title that affects game development for years and years to come. And it, it's another one of those kind of seminal titles like Breath of the Wild was like Skyrim was that, that other developers, other studios are going to try to iterate on, right? They're going to, they're going to take lessons from this game and they're going to try to make their own version or they're going to change their game. Maybe the one that's already in production and see if they can, um, you know, adjust it to match some of the things that work really well in Elden Ring. So I'm, I'm excited to see how this game kind of has that ripple effect on the industry. Uh, and I know it's going to be, you know, years, uh, years to come for maybe some of those changes, but that's the thing that I'm really excited about. Um, I will come back to this game. I will play it again. I'm very much a type, I'm very much a person who like once I once I get to the end and I, I kind of agonized over this. You know, I get I get to the Elden Beast and um you know I'm I'm like okay I know I know I'm at the final boss I know I'm I know I'm about to kind of cross that threshold where I'm not going to go back to this game. I'm not going to play it for a little while. And there's always something really really bittersweet about that. But especially a game like this where you've put in you know 50 60 plus hours. And you know that those these are your final moments in the game. There, it 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 hurts. It hurts to kind of even remember that. But uh, but I'm so glad that we all had this experience and another chance to talk about the uh, talk about the game with you, Alex, was really fun. Um, I don't think we'll do a last call here. You know, this was a, this was a good kind of length episode. But um, uh, you know, down the line, maybe we'll talk about you know what we want from Elden Ring DLC or a sequel. Um, and yeah, like, like we quickly said off the hop, the next time a Bandai Namco game comes out, uh, another RPG, we'll definitely have to have you on, uh, again, Alex, but, uh, I think we'll wrap up here. Um, Alex, you know, can you tell us where people can find you, you know, where, how can people get to your content, you know, backlog battle, obviously, you know, uh, you're, you're doing a lot of cool stuff there. So what, what can people find you? Well, people can find me at youtube.com slash backlog battle. I have a Twitter account, but since there's like some weird things happening there, you know, um, I don't know if I'll still be there. But you know what? Come I'm to Mastodon. Yeah. Come to Mastodon. <laughs> That's right. That's where yeah. the cool kids are going. 
I'm probably still going to be on Twitter, twitter.com slash mybacklogbattle, because Backlog Battle's been taken for some reason. And I'm also on Instagram, uh, you know, Backlog Battle as well on there. Um, I, do, I do have a TikTok, but I barely like updated it. But you'll mostly find me on youtube.com slash backlogbattle, celebrating our fifth anniversary. Such a huge milestone. And, you know, I'm going to be continuing talking about all sorts of games, and in addition to the usual JRPG and Japanese coverage. And I, and I just want to thank you guys so much for having me. It's always a blast being on your podcast, and I can't wait for the next time. It, it, it Alex, it feels like another episode where we could keep going on for an hour. You know, and I felt <laughs> like that with the Tales of Arise episode, that there were still so many other things we could talk about, but even more so with this one, that, you know, we've got more notes to discuss. I know our notes aren't exhaustive. We weren't able to get to everything, but yeah, this was, this was a ton of fun. Always great to have you on. Uh, we'll definitely do it again soon. Um, David, uh, what's what's going on with you? I know you're obviously playing Elden Ring right now. Uh, Thirsty Mage stuff. Uh, any updates there? Content coming? What's happening? Uh, yeah, I don't know what, what games I know. I know we got a bunch of games coming out. It's kind of that time of the year where games aren't necessarily launching, but you're getting mm-hmm. ready for others. Like the summer we got so many with Xenoblade Chronicles three being, you know, switched to July. We got that. And then we also got soul hackers in August. Um, so I'm kind of taking this time to kind of go back. Like it, it was kind of the perfect time for me for Elden Ring. Cause I mm-hmm. was able to go back to starting to go back to some older games. Um, I know, uh, we've got a couple of reviews on lately, man. I don't even remember what the games were. <laughs> it feels <laughs> like it's been so long. Yeah. <laughs> Every time I play a game, it feels like it was like three months ago. I played it. Um, but yeah, the, I know the thirsty mage I, I've been working on, um, a new, so I, the the it's still thirstymage.com but i have was able to figure out how, how themes work and all these other neat things on wordpress so thirstymage.com looks it has gotten a, a facelift i guess would be the best way to put it mm-hmm. um so there's a new look to it um so you can check out there for any recent reviews and that sort of thing um and i was, i joked about the mastodon but we actually I actually did create a mastodon account um so it's thirstymage at mastodon.social and um because i yeah it's not so much the because the car guy is buying twitter i think that was more like the cherry on a on top of you know the sunday of crap that Mm -hmm. that twitter's become over the past few years and uh, i'm not completely abandoning twitter but um i I actually joked today in a tweet that to me um mastodon feels like a place where you can go and have a beer with friends and and talk to them and twitter is like a rock concert with everyone you know and the the band is trying to sell you nfts and and yeah. stupid ape pictures um <laughs> so it's so it's just a nice a different experience so it's kind of to me it's like yeah maybe i'll just start try to spend more time over over on this other one so if there's anyone uh, out there who well and we still have our discord too which is great so um it gives that that same experience so uh, yeah th- you can catch us on those uh, on on those platforms as well Sounds good. Yeah, I, I haven't worked on a ton of reviews lately. It does feel like the, you know, a little bit of a lull time before, you know, things wrap up, uh, ramp up, I should say, in, in the summer, you know, June and July, obviously uh, going to be pretty stacked, I'm sure. Uh, we're going to start getting announcements uh, as we get closer to June as well. But May, May feels, at least right now, feels like it could be a little bit lighter. So perfect time to work on your backlog uh, or you know, battle with your backlog as it will, uh, mm-hmm. or as you were. Um, 
and I'm still making my way through Chrono Cross. I'm, I'm getting close to the end. I think I am, might be in the final third or final quarter of the game. So I'm going to share some thoughts on that. Uh, I will still be on Twitter at Riskman64. So you can follow me there for thoughts on Chrono Cross and uh, some other games I'm going to be picking up soon. I know that um, that uh, I think it's Ayudin Chronicle Rising, that action RPG, which is kind of a prequel to... Uh, the game that's, I guess, a spiritual successor to Suikoden uh, 2. Uh, so that I'm, I'm probably going to play that in May as well. So we've got that coming up. But is that coming um, out already? So the the prequel is the action RPG prequel, which I think might have been oh, okay. the Kickstarter. So not, yeah, yes, yes I know. Um, just not the full game. I think the full game not is next year. Game. Yeah, full game yeah. is next year with a you know hundred plus characters or something like that. Just about to know. Almost uh, had a heart attack there thinking that other game was coming out because it yeah. was like it's going to be pretty. We'll uh, almost have to do a Sweet It in Two episode in before we get to that one so that we can have the, the very natural comparison. I think that'd be fun. Yeah. I um, definitely own that game on at least one platform, probably three. Just let me play it when the new PlayStation Plus Premium comes out, okay? Just move <laughs> it over there so I can play it on my PS5. Uh, but yeah, I think that'll do it for today. So thanks everybody for listening to our Elder Ring kind of deeper dive spoiler cast type show uh, with with Alex from Backlog Battle. Alex, thanks so much for joining us. We'll definitely do it again soon. Um, and then, yeah, please check out Alex's recent video is kind of video essay, 30 minute long on Elden Ring. It's a really fun video. The video editing is really good. I, I had a blast watching it last night. Um, but yeah, I think that'll do it for tonight. So thanks everybody for watching, uh, watching, listening to us. <laughs> Hope you have a great, a great week ahead and we'll talk to you next week. Bye for now. Bye.